Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. David Brooks is the opinion columnist for the New York Times. He appears regularly on PBS NewsHour and Meet the Press. He's just authored a brand new book, which I've had the pleasure of reading. It's called How to Know a Person, The Art of Seeing Others Deeply and Being Deeply Seen. This is David Brooks. David, thank you so much for being here. I enjoyed it immensely. Well, I'm grateful, Michael, for you having me on. That's very kind of you. So the thesis is that that one skill that lies at the heart of any healthy person or family or school or community organization or society writ large is to see another deeply and feel as if you are being seen. What does that mean? Well, you know, human beings need recognition. Uh, We need food and water, but we also need to be seen. A baby comes out of the womb looking for a face that will see him. Uh, and babies see 18 inches away very much in sharp relief uh, and uh, because they need to see their mom's face. And I don't think it changes much through life. There's nothing crueler than rendering somebody invisible, unseen, and understood, and misunderstood in the very famous first par- page of Invisible Man, the novel. Uh, uh, the, char- the nameless narrator says, when people look at me, 
They see everything but me. They see their stereotypes. They see their surroundings, but they don't see me. Uh, and I want to lash out because I want to show I exist. And so if we don't feel seen, heard, and understood, we feel existentially unsafe. And that's true in the gross political level. It's true in everyday life. Um, so, for example, McKinsey did a study where they asked people, they asked CEOs, why are people leaving your companies? And the CEO said, it's because they want to make more money somewhere else. Then they asked the people who, who left, and the number one answer was, my manager doesn't recognize me. People are not seeing me at work. And people will leave your firm. They'll break from your family. You won't have conversations politically uh, if you lack the ability to make them feel like you kind of get them. I hope that I'm an illuminator. I worry that I'm a diminisher. What's the difference between the two and of what significance are those terms? Yeah, so a, a diminisher is someone who stereotypes and ignores, somebody who doesn't ask you questions. Sometimes I go to a party and I leave it thinking that whole time nobody asked me a question. Uh, they just weren't curious about other people. And illuminators are, are people who feel make you feel uh, lit up. Uh, they ask you questions. They're curious about you. And they sort of get you. And so I'm pretty sure you're an illuminator because your job is to ask people questions and get them to tell life stories, which is one of the most enjoyable things you can do. In the book, for example, I tell the story about a woman named Jenny Jerome who would go on and become Winston Churchill's uh, mom. But in the late 19th century, she happened to be seated next to William Gladstone, the great prime minister of England. And she left that dinner thinking that Gladstone was the cleverest person in England. And then... A couple of weeks later, she happens to be seated next to Gladstone's political rival, Benjamin Disraeli, and she leaves that dinner thinking that she's the cleverest person <laughs> in England. So we want to be the sort of people who, when people leave a conversation with us, they feel like, wow, I'm, I, I really contributed some things to that conversation. I said some things really important. Uh, and we want to be that kind of person. But David, is it possible to change? I mean, aren't these social skills that are innate? They're just not going to be acquired. And if they're acquired, it's it's fake. Like you use the expression in the book, loud listener. If I'm suddenly a loud, oh, David, thank you for saying that. Yes, David. No, David. It just feels like it's phony. Yeah, and it's phony for me, too. Um, but you can listen with your eyes. You can ask questions. And I'm absolutely convinced um, we can get a lot better. It's like athletic ability. Some of us are born with more extroverted personalities, but we can all get better. And so in the book, I walk through skills, social skills. And these are skills that are as teachable as carpentry or fixing a motorcycle engine. They are skills. Like, how do you disagree well? What do you say to someone who's suffering from depression? What do you say to someone who's thinking about suicide? How do you break up with somebody without crushing their heart? Even something small like, how do you end a conversation well so people feel satisfied and they don't feel rudely cut off? These are basic social skills. And nobody knows them naturally. And we all have to be taught them. And unfortunately, we're not teaching people these skills. And I can absolutely tell you that you can change no matter what your age. Uh, I'll prove it to you. I have to do a little name dropping. But so I've been interviewed by Oprah twice in my life, once in 2014 and once in 2019. And after the second interview, she pulls me aside and she said, David, I've rarely seen somebody change so much in middle age. You were so emotionally blocked before. And I get this all the time. I, I'm My aspect is much different than it used to be. I'm Hopefully, I'm much more vulnerable. I'm much more attentive to other people. And believe me, I'm a very much a work still in progress. But I can absolutely guarantee you, no matter what your age, you can change your whole way of being in the world by learning these skills. Well, you acknowledge in the book that it might sound 
odd coming from those who know David Brooks. And you tell the story, I, I guess you were at a, an Orioles game when, when the bat hits. In fact, why don't you briefly tell that? I think it's a funny story and it encapsulates what we're discussing. Yeah, so I'm 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 really an aloof personality type. I, I'm not like a social <laughs> butterfly. Uh, and so the story epitomizes one way of being. I love baseball. I go to a lot of games. I've never caught a foul ball in the whole time. I'm sitting there in Baltimore with my youngest son, and a bat, the batter loses control of the bat. It flies into the stands. It lands on my feet. And so any normal human being is like jumping up and down, holding my trophy in the air, high-fiving everybody around me, hugging people, getting on the jumbotron. I take the bat. I just put it at my feet, and I stare straight ahead. I basically have the emotional reaction of a turtle. Uh, and I, I look back on that guy, and I say, show a little joy. But I think I had to go through a process of like becoming more familiar with my emotions, but especially knowing how to express emotion. Uh, and so if I, once you can do that, then you can sit with somebody who's, say, who's lost a son or a daughter. You can join in, in empathy with somebody who's had a political, uh, who's suffered a great political defeat or some public humiliation. And I think I just needed to go on a, a journey where I could get comfortable uh, with that sort of thing. But are we? And I are was we, at a, go, go ahead, I was going to say, are we necessarily diminishers or illuminators? You tell a story about the guy at, at Bell Labs, an electrical engineer. Uh, his name is is what? He's Harry a Nyquist. guy. Yeah. Okay. And so it it is discovered that wow, people who have spent time with this this one illuminator that he brings things out of them, that he has exchanges and nurtures their ideas and so forth. And, and great ideas then flowed from those experiences. And as I read that, I said to myself, okay, but am I supposed, am I supposed to assume that everyone with whom he's having an interaction was a diminisher and not an illuminator and that they needed him? That's a very good question. Um, you know, these categories, those are the two poles. Most of us are somewhere in the middle. And right. some of us are illuminators. And sometimes we get tired and turn into diminishers because we're just tired. Um, but I do think if you lead with the ideas, I'm at this breakfast, I'm at lunch, I'm at Bell Labs. And I'm going to ask, I'm curious to know what other people are working on. And then I'm going to say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that? If I can get inside their, their decision-making process, it's just going to be fun. And I would say I, I've gone the last four years, I asked people, tell me about a time you've felt seen. And with glowing eyes, people tell me stories. And some of the stories are just mon- mundane, everyday things. And the number one category of people who make other people feel seen are teachers. If you see potential in me, I'll see it in myself. Uh, and then some people are, are just astute political observers. And so I have a story in the book about Franklin Roosevelt. And he's in the early 1930s, he has this young congressman, 28-year-old guy named Lyndon Johnson in, into the Oval Office. And after Johnson leaves, FDR turns to one of his aides and says, you know, that's the kind of uninhibited pro I might have been if I hadn't gone to Harvard. Uh, power is shifting in, in this country to the South and West. And that guy, Lyndon Johnson, could be our first Southwestern president. And so I remember thinking, whoa, pretty good. That's, that's insight into human nature. And it, it's just great to be able to have that kind of insight because you've spent your life studying people. David Brooks' new book is called How to Know a Person. This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. 
That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM, Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. David Brooks' new book is called How to Know a Person. David, I'm interested in, in a whole body of related works. I see them as related. They're all about diminished relationships and the impact on our mental health and also, I think I would say, our national fabric. And the list includes... Robert Putnam's Bowling Alone, Bill Bishop's The Big Sort, Charles Murray's Coming Apart, Gene Twangy's iGen, and The Good Life, which was written by those two Harvard, uh, one psychiatrist, one psychologist, Waldinger and Schultz. In fact, you discuss in this book the Grant study. So that's why I was drawn to your subject matter about relationships. But here's the question I most wanted to ask you. The goal of the book is to make us better equipped or more skilled at seeing others and making them feel seen. But how can we do that today when relationships are increasingly online, 
when workers are remote. We're, we're not together to be able to use the skill set that you've provided us. Yeah, it's a real problem. Uh, and uh, I, I would say all these books exist because we're in the middle of some sort of social and relational crisis. Uh, right. Rise of loneliness, the rise of depression. The statistic I, uh, that really gets to me is the number of people who say they have no close personal friends has increased by four times since 2000. And that's just sad that so many more people say, I have no friends. Uh, and so my little piece of this is the skills. A lot of those books you mentioned, I'm a big fan of those books. And Robert Putnam talks about the, the big sociological things that are happening. I focus on here's what you can do to uh, bridge these connections to end the loneliness of other people. Now, social media is a great part of the problem here, and I don't deny that. But I do think even on social media, you can be more personal. You can ask bigger questions. We tend to have small talk questions, but the big questions we want to ask are things like, if the next chapter in your life is, um, if the next five years is a chapter in your life, what's this chapter about for you? And that gets you having a good conversation about what life transition you're in the middle of. And you can do that online. Uh, if you're, uh, uh, you know, if, what would, if you had died today, what would you regret not doing? And that's going to lead to a bigger conversation. And you can do that online. And I'm super down on social media, but I, I was talking to a friend of mine, a woman probably in her 40s, and she's in a relationship. And I asked her, have you FaceTimed with him yet? And she says, oh, no, we're not that close yet. <laughs> so there's there's some social media forums, maybe FaceTime, that are actually kind of uh, kind of personal. And I would say uh, I fell in love with my wife uh, over FaceTime. So it, you can make the technology work for you, but it's not working for most of us. There was a piece that when I was reading the book, David Brooks' new book, which is How to Know a Person, there was a piece that I discussed on radio last spring. It was written by Rachel Feintzeig, and the focus of it was her trying to dissuade us when you meet somebody from saying, oh, hi, hi, David Brooks. Nice to meet you. What, what do you do for a living? Like yeah. the, the, that's not the question we should be asking. And we had a wonderful conversation with the radio audience after I conducted an interview with her about that piece. Instead, what we decided was the proper question is to ask someone about what are they passionate and I wondered what yeah. your thought was on that. Like, you know, you, you're a social guy because you talk in the book about being out at a lot, a lot of different events. So do you fall into the trap? Oh, what do you do for a living? And is it a trap? So, it is a trap, and I sometimes do it. And it's a trap because basically I'm asking you, where am I going to put you on my status ladder? Right. Uh, and, and if I ask you where you live, it may be the same thing. Or do you live in a nice, uh, rich town or do you let not, not rich town? And so I ask people, I think that's a good one. What are you passionate about? But sometimes that might be a little too personal to me up close. And so on first encounter, I'll ask people, my first question, I might be, um, where'd you grow up? You know, where'd you grow up? Because people love to talk about their childhood. And with, when people are talking about their childhood, suddenly they're much more human. And a friend of mine asks, who were you in high school and how has it changed? And then you're getting a real sense of who the person is. Sometimes I'll ask them, where'd you get your name? That's a cool name. Where'd you get your name? And then they're talking about their family and their ethnic heritage. And then as I'm getting to know someone, I, I occasionally ask, what's your favorite unimportant thing about you? And I learned that this academic uh, who I really admire has watches a lot of trashy TV, <laughs> reality TV. And that's his favorite unimportant thing about him. It's just a way to get to the bigger questions, uh, which is, uh, and then the final thing I've learned, even as a journalist, I no longer ask people, what do you believe? I ask, how did you come to believe this? 
And that way they're telling me a, an experience they had or somebody they know who really shaped their values. And that's just a more humane and deeper way into, into the person's life. You cite the work of Dan McAdams at Northwestern and the point attributed to him is that we love telling the story of our lives. It's true about me. I, I love telling stories about life. And then there's someone else you introduce us to from the University of Chicago. His name is Nicholas Epley, who rides the train and takes note of the fact that everybody's got their buds in and no one's conversing with one another. And yet that is what most brings many of us happiness. So my question for David Brooks is this. Do we not know how much happiness we derive from being in the company and speaking with other people. We vastly underestimate how much we'll enjoy it, even talking to strangers. We vastly underestimate how much people want to go deep in conversations. And so we err on the side of being timid. And uh, Nick Epley, since he's a social psychologist, after he watched this silent commuter train, he decided, okay, I'm going to pay the people on the train the next few weeks to talk to each other. And then he interviews them, and they're all thrilled with the conversations. The introverts were just as thrilled as extroverts in ha having a conversation with for 20 minutes with a stranger on a train. And so there's one way writing the book has literally changed my life. I'm, I still sometimes like need to get work done on a train or a plane or a bus or something. But often I'll, I'll just take off my buds and I'll have a conversation with the person next door. And I can tell you, I remember those conversations way more than I would remember whatever it was I was reading that particular day. I'm worried about our lack of common experience. When I think about in, in my daily routine, little geographical reference that'll, that'll ring a bell with this Radnor High School graduate, when I'm at Wawa, I am with the greatest cross-section of people that I'll be exposed to than any other point in my, in my current existence or life. But too many of us, and this, is, you know, this was Murray's point and some of the, the points that Putnam makes and Bishop, we are so segregated you know, gated or virtual gated communities, even regardless of income, there aren't places where we're rubbing shoulders and having the kind of conversations that David Brooks wants us to have using the tools and techniques that you're giving to us. So is this, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's an argument for national service. My, my father in his Korean war experience talked about being reduced to a common denominator. Everybody had the same haircut, slept in the same bunk, ate the same food, and were from disparate backgrounds. Where do we go to get the environment so we can use your tools? Yeah, well, I definitely believe in national service for that reason. If we can get people from Berkeley, California, and Birmingham, Alabama serving together, that would do enormous good for this country. But for those of us who have not in service or not in the military, there's plenty of opportunities. It's, you know, I call it, you would call it, um, hanging around at a bar, but I call it reporting. <laughs> so I'll just hang around and I'll talk to the person next to me. Uh, I'm at a diner. I'll talk to the person next to me. Uh, and then you can go to uh, all sorts of meetings where people are very different than yourself. And so, you know, I was at a, I was uh, sitting around in a diner in South Dakota recently uh, and a guy who is a super big Trump supporter who worked in a factory uh, who got, who got laid off 35 years ago and his life is downhill ever since we had a phenomenal conversation and I didn't lead that. I'm not a friend of Donald Trump, that I'm a critic of Donald Trump. He, in fact, he never asked me, thank goodness. He never asked me where I work. Thank goodness. But I got to know his story. And as you mentioned earlier, people are dying to tell their story. There was some experiment done. Will you take 500 bucks or we, or would you rather just tell your life story? 
And people would rather tell their life story. They're just dying to do it. And if you do it, you've shown them some respect and you've come to understand this world a little better. And so social range, social courage, talking to somebody who's very different than you, it's just like, it's a virtue, but it's also just a fun part of life to see a life that's radically different than your own. Okay, the takeaway from David Brooks then is what? We, we need all strive to be illuminators and we can be more illuminating than diminishing in our exchanges with other people. Yeah, and we're living in a brutalized age. And my view is it's not naive to lead with curiosity. It's not naive to lead with trust. It's not naive to leave with respect. And if we can all do that on a personal level, we'll have happier lives. But our democracy will not be in the tatters that it's in. I mean, that was the result of the grant study, right? Those those who in their 80s are are both physically and mentally well are the same who in their 50s had relationships and exchanges with other people. If you don't have a social network by your 50s, odds are you're not going to have it if you make it to your 80s. Yeah, and the men, and this was a group of Harvard guys who, who graduated in 40s and were followed for the rest of their life. And the striking thing in that study that I really enjoyed was they calculated a lot of the men rose and become in World War II, they become senior officers. Some stayed privates and they wanted to know what was what determined whether somebody became an officer or was a private in World War II. It was not physical courage. It was not socioeconomic background. It was not IQ. It was warmth of family home that the guys who'd grown up with their mom's love knew how to give love to their men and they were good officers. David, I wish you good things with the book. Thank you for dropping by. Oh, total pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. David Brooks' book is called How to Know a Person. TC, you are an illuminator. There's no question about you. You're an illuminator through and through. Hello! Oh, look at that dog! May I pet your dog? We walk out of the building every day. There's somebody there with a dog, a different person every day. And TC's like engaging them. And one, I'm like, TC, they don't want you petting their they dog. They do want me petting they their don't dog. Want they don't want you. Absolutely But they do. probably do. They 100% do. Do you believe, be honest... Am I a diminisher or an illuminator? It depends what you want to be. You can choose to be mean? either one. Guys, sometimes, sometimes you're one and sometimes you're the other. You absolutely have the capability to be an illuminator and can boost people up and you make have... them feel so good. And you are so incredibly loyal. <laughs> but you also do have a little difficult side of you. And so it just depends how yeah. you feel on that day. It's true. And oftentimes it has, has nothing to do with the person you're talking to. It has to do with whatever else is going on in your life. But aren't we but all you, like that? You bring it to the table. I don't bring it to the table. I have a shit ton of stuff going on in my life, and I shelve that and come here and try to be happy. Oh my God, That's am I, I sorry I asked that question? <laughs> it just feels so fake. So there you go. It just feels fake sometimes. But it doesn't but... feel fake to me. See, I don't do it. I don't, I'm not faking it when I'm cheerful and positive and all that stuff. I'm not. <laughs> if you are, then maybe, you know, just, you're right. Maybe David, you can just moderate it. David Brooks' thesis. The one skill that lies at the heart of any healthy person, any healthy family, any school, community, organization, or society is to see another deeply and to feel seen. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays.